How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. here on the panel on SENZ with Ricardo and joining us is the First Lady of New Zealand trampolining, Nikki Styrus. How are you? (laughs) Jim, that's a hell of an introduction. Uh, Good, thank you. Lovely to talk to you. Good to talk to you again, mate, as well. And uh, also sports freak uh, Graham Beasley with us this morning. G'day, Graham. Good morning, Ricardo. Good morning, Nikki. Now, I don't don't know if you were aware of this, Graham. Did you know that Nikki uh, represented New Zealand in trampolining? I only became aware of that recently. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I um, oh. a few days ago about that. So, um, yeah, no, up until then, I did not know that. Uh, we've got to start, Nikki. I know this wasn't in the notes, but I know that you'll have something to say about this. Um, Dylan Schmidt, what an absolute superstar, yeah. Olympic bronze medal, and now on the podium um, at the Worlds as well with a, uh, with a with a world title. It's funny you should bring that up, actually, because the um, I got contacted by Vicky Humphreys, who's the manager who was over there at the time and said, um, first before Dylan, she said uh, Brom and Bibb just won New Zealand's first gold medal at a world event uh, in 24 years for what they call the double mini tramp. I don't know if if you've seen that. Um, And so her coach, Nigel Humphreys, uh, was my coach back in the day. So that's how far back we're going. But... um, yeah, so I, I was aware of what was going on and um, I'm actually going to put together a nice summer feature on Dylan and Bronwyn because I just think New Zealand trampolining is just, uh, just go, hey, here we go, leaps and bounds. Um, <laughs> good time for the morning. Yeah, so I mean, obviously from a personal level, I'm absolutely thrilled because, um, you know, back when I used trampoline, there was the World Championships and that was it. There was no Olympic Games, there was no higher honours and I just think it's wonderful to see us once again um, you know, uh, punching above our weight when it comes to these, you know, sports events because there's some fantastic trampolinists around the world and gymnasts. And Dylan now has really shown that he is right up there and he's, uh, you know, po- probably a sure medal for Paris, which is just just wonderful news. Yes. Yeah, great news on Bronwyn and so many angles too. Did you? I was just reading about her earlier and uh, the, the fact that she's also a Canterbury rugby player and, and wants to play for the Black Ferns at some point. I mean, yeah, it's, it's mate, you've got angles on angles. No, I know. Well, that's what I was thinking. I could get a couple of stories out of this one. Yes, I actually didn't know that she uh, was a, an inspiring black fern. So very, very contrasting sports, I'm not going to lie. Um, trampolining is, uh, you've got to be strong, I guess you do, for, like, for rugby, but um, quite a different set of skills. So Speaking of the line out. True that, and the somersaults after you score, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Graham, Graham, I mean, it's good. It's I know this was on the notes for you, mate. And I don't want to go deep on it with you, but uh, it, just great to see success uh, from from Kiwi athletes overseas, and you know, another new sport for us to check out and look at. Absolutely. Well, Dylan's our only Olympic medalist in uh, gymnastics, isn't he? Because uh, doesn't trampolining sort of come under the broader category of gymnastics at the Olympics? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And yeah. I think so that would be interesting to see how it goes. 
Yeah, yeah, only Olympic medal. Obviously, we had Commonwealth Games, but not Olympic, no. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. All right. Hey, let's talk FIFA World Cup. Um, overnight, the Germans got beaten by Japan 2-1, um, but the German Federation got other things on their mind. They're talking about legal action um, because FIFA decided to basically ban the One Love armband that uh, some of the European teams had said they were going to uh, wear to promote the rainbow community or show solidarity Solidarity with the rainbow community. Uh, FIFA then said, "Well, if you do that, the referee could, uh, you know, basically give your players a, a yellow card for wearing it." So uh, the German FA are calling it blackmail uh, and considering legal action. Uh, Graham's just what this World Cup needs: more off-field controversy. Yeah, it certainly needs more drama, doesn't it? I thought what Jim, what the German players did um, before the game today in terms of covering up their faces was. Um, uh, pretty cool and pretty imaginative, actually. Mm. Um, you know, I wouldn't have thought of that as a way to protest, but that was quite effective. But good luck taking FIFA to court, I would have thought. Um, you know, you think that FIFA will kind of win every battle that they um, that they engage in, except with their battles with the Qatar government. I mean, I'm I'm amazed that FIFA and all its power and all its corruption, all that kind of stuff, bent over to both this uh, yellow card rule, which is absolutely ridiculous, and to there being no no booze in the stadiums, which was only announced 48 hours before the Cup began. Um, I mean, those two things are pretty outrageous. And for FIFA to just sort of bend over and let them happen is almost the most amazing thing of the whole thing for me. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think there must be incriminating photos of Gianni Infantino somewhere in Qatar uh, because, I mean, if you go I back mean, to just, 2014, they told the Brazilian yeah, government that they had to change their laws, otherwise they weren't going to have the World Cup, Nikki. Yeah, look, I mean, there's so many issues, isn't it? You know, you've got to love a World Cup for all the political and sporting dramas that, that, that occur I was doing a little bit of sort of uh, research into this because I didn't know a great deal about it. And what fascinated me was that these uh, football associations, actually, or most of the European ones, actually went to FIFA two months ago about this armband, uh, requesting to be able to wear it. And FIFA didn't actually reply to them. Uh, so they're just like radio silence. And so I guess they probably thought, well, you know, maybe we are going to be able to wear this. And it was was only until the 11th hour that FIFA turned around and said, well, actually, that's a breach, you know, of our equipment rules. And if you do wear it, uh, yeah, we will sanction you by not fining you, but not allowing you to play. So definitely blackmail. And, you know, these players come out and said, well, we asked this two months ago of you and you didn't, you didn't reply to us. So, you know, it just reeks of them just taking full control and saying, it's you know, it's our way or the highway. And perhaps the only reason that they have sort of uh, bowed down to the Qatari government is because there's so much money over there and and involved in their uh, sport and and what they can bring to FIFA that, you know, that overrides everything. But it certainly is, it's bubbling away. And I'll be very interested to see how this plays out over sort of, the next wee while, I don't think it's going to go away and I think you'll find there'll be more protests, whether it's a hand over the mouth or, you know, they just come out and say, you know what, we're going to wear that armband whether you like it or not and what are you going to do about it? Mm, it was interesting. John Richardson, who's a uh, UK comic comedian, uh, tweeted this. He said, the threat of a yellow card doesn't stop players diving, fouling or abusing referees, but it has stopped them showing solidarity with those who are threatened with death for being in love. What an absolute farce. Uh, so he's certainly putting the heat back on the players, Graham. I don't know where you sit on that. I mean, he makes a really good point, but I, I do I do have sympathy for the players there. You know, they're not the ones who chose the, the World Cup be held in Qatar. Um, none of them will be feeling happy going there. 
um, but you know you still you still want to do your bit for your country. So um, no, I I feel really sorry for them. Um, but yeah, as 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 Nikki says. These things aren't going to go away during this World Cup, are they? No, they're not. They're not going away at all. We've got more to talk about, including Martin Guptill, the Black Ferns, and uh, we'll we'll touch on some supercars with Graham as well after the latest in news and sport. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah, 28 away from 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo filling in for Smithy while he is over calling the cricket in Australia for Fox. Uh, this is all brought to you by Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. We are on the panel with Nikki Styrus and Graham Beasley. And Nikki, I know that, you know, uh, your other half um, had his time as a professional cricketer, um, but representing New Zealand and, and playing in offshore tournaments. And when his time came, the, the, the end of his career, I'm not sure how he was treated by New Zealand cricket, but what do you make of the way that Martin Guptill's been treated? We were talking about this yesterday in the office, actually, and um, I do remember um, back when Scott sort of was getting to that age and, you know, every game you're basically, you're on show. Um, and if you don't perform it, oh, you're too old, it's time to retire. So, you know, an awful lot of pressure does go on those players. Um, and it is, a, it is professional sport. So at the end of the day, you know, they want to make sure they've got the best people out there. But you also would hope that they are sort of... Um, well, they've given the respect that they deserve. And I know there were times when Scott felt that, you know, the administration, the coaching staff didn't, you know, treat him the way he would have liked to have been treated um, as he neared the end of his career. And I'm pretty sure Martin Guptill is probably feeling the same way clearly fallen out of favour with Gary Stead um, and uh, that basically meant that he's been dropped and chances of him actually coming back, you know, um, are next to none. And so I don't blame Martin for doing what he's done. I just, um, I don't know, I kind of wish that New Zealand cricket had, had handled it slightly differently. Um, who knows what goes on behind closed doors? We don't know what Gary Stead has spoken to, to Martin Guptill about and what their relationship's like, so it wouldn't be right for me to speculate on that. However, Martin has to look after Martin, and I know Scott did the same thing. There are so many opportunities in, in world cricket now for New Zealand players and, and, and every player around the world, that, and it's so lucrative that why would you sit there and go, well, I'll hold on to my contract and I'll go and I'll toil for, you know, um, Auckland Aces or, you know, ND and, and, and earn pittance when I can actually ply my trade at all these sort of overseas leagues and, you know, make a decent living in the twilight of my career. So it absolutely makes perfect sense. In a lot of ways, I think it's a bit of a win-win for Martin. It was just just a shame that, you know, we haven't seen, like, Ross Taylor got, you know, the sort of send-off that you would want from somebody who has given so much to the country mm. and, you know, entertained so many New Zealanders in, in world cricket. Yeah, well, well said, Nicky Graham. I mean, it, there was this, a little bit of uh, the way that this was done, but you know, from Guptill, it was a, kind of had a bit of a middle finger to New Zealand cricket vibe about the way he bowed out. I don't know if you picked that up. Yeah, I thought there was a little bit of that. I thought it was quite predictable, you know, given he wasn't picked, particularly for the ODIs against Australia. I think we'd got ahead around that um, uh, Alan was going to play in the in the T20s. So it was a bit of a surprise that he wasn't picked for the ODIs against um, against India. But I think once that choice was made, I think it was inevitable what he did. Um, so I don't know really how differently it could have been handled. I mean, you've got to give uh, NZ Cricket some credit for the fact that, you know, as soon as he said, I do want to rip up my contract, that they didn't push back on that or anything like that. Um, 
So I think it is better for, bo- for both parties that he does that. And, of course, there are just so many T20 competitions around the world now. Mm. You know, just, just in the last 12 months, there's been the one that's starting in the UAE, and now there's going to be one starting in the States. And both of them are funded by um, <coughs> IPL teams and uh, team owners. So that'll, that'll give both of those competitions a real, a real push. So, um, I mean, I, I think, for example, that he's, Martin Guptill will have a lot more options than, um, than Scott Styrus did in his time. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And, I mean, you know, the other thing that I look at, I, you know, they, they talk about um, now he's torn up his contract. Obviously, the, uh, we'll look at guys that are con- centrally contracted or domestically contracted and they'll be given preference. And they say all of that. And, and you go, okay, well, that's fine. But if you look at the team, I mean, Jimmy Neesham still in there and he's not contracted to a province or, to, or centrally. So it seems like there's one rule for one and one for another, Nikki. Oh, look, I don't know that it's it's quite like that. I think basically you just take a risk as a player that you you won't get preference. They say that, but the reality is if they get injuries or the balance of the side requires it or they have the kudos that someone like Trent Bolt has, Martin Guptill has, and they'll sit there and they'll go, okay, well, we've just had an injury to Finn Allen, so we're going to call Martin back in. So that's why I was saying it's a bit of a win-win for him. Mm. His days playing for New Zealand aren't necessarily over, and we all know that sport um, throws different things up, different scenarios up all the time, and cricket's particularly bad for that just because you do get injuries and you do get the different formats. And so I don't I, I don't actually think it's a bad thing, and, and I, I think you'll see more players, especially of this um, older generation, giving up their contracts like Bolt has, like Nishan has, to go on home, you know, and Martin, and they'll go, you know, we're going we're gonna to take our chance because if we're good enough, you'll pick us, and we'll get to play the top stuff in New Zealand. And if we're not, we've got those overseas leagues, you know, that Graham was talking about. So we, you know, we we went on both fronts. Mm, yeah, no, no, that's that's fair. I mean, one of the uh, other conversations, Graham, has been around Kane Williamson being retained. I mean, I've been pretty vocal in saying that I think T20's evolved past where his skill set is, um, and he's, you know, would have been better off having Guppy open the batting with Finn Allen, and then you have get Conway in at three, and you just don't play Williamson at all in, in T20 cricket. But... Uh, while that seems to be playing out in terms of his stats, uh, doesn't seem to be something that that Gary Stead wants to wants to consider. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that it's time for both Stead and Williamson to step away from T20 cricket and get someone else in there. Yeah, the problem is is, um, is that there's so much money in it. So you know, Williamson will want to keep on playing because if he stops playing T20 cricket, he's not going to be picked up in the IPL auction. Whereas I think at the moment, he, he, even though he'll be he'll be picked up at a lower rate, I think he still will get picked up in, in that option um, auction. So it is a tricky one, but I mean it is a good point that uh, Martin Guptill hasn't retired. So I think that's the main reason that he can't have had that farewell tour against India like Taylor did. And if if Finn Allen has a poor ODI series against India, then I think there's a really good chance that Gupta will play against Sri Lanka in the ODIs which incidentally is during the IPL window, so um, there might be a few extra places there anyway. Yeah, yeah. well, potentially. We'll be interested to see what they end up doing there. Of course, those India ODIs not too far away from getting underway if we get rid of all this bloody rain. Uh, let's talk Black Ferns. Um, Wayne Smith's role as Director of Rugby, Nikki. Who do you think is best suited to take over that role? I mean, is it an Anna Richards, or do they need to look somewhere else? Oh, look, you know... I'm not really an expert when it comes to coaching uh, rugby, let alone women's rugby. I'm, I've been learning like the rest of the country has over the last sort of 
six months. Um, so I pr- I'm probably not that qualified to say. All I can say um, is that I guess that Wesley Clark and Alan Bunting have both been involved in that setup with Wayne Smith over the last um, six months, and they have seen his um, his unconventional style of coaching and what he's brought to that side um, from a, a way of thinking of the game, the sort of the, the mental aspects, the solution base, the courage to be different and all of that type of thing. And, and they have been a part of that process. So I guess they could carry that forward if they were to be involved. However, it's also really important, as you say, to have um, the, you know, the female element because let's face it, women and men are very, very different. We're different the way we process, the way we... We, I mean, you know, singing on a bus, and as Wayne Smithy said, he, he had to adapt very quickly to this new style, um, you know, that women bring to the game. So you definitely have to have the female in there too, but I would be a little bit remiss to sit there and, you know, say who I think, you know, should be in that coaching setup. I just think a nice mix of someone who's been with the Wayne Smith crew and then maybe somebody fresh or, you know, somebody equally qualified on the female side. Mm. Uh, Graham, have you got a take on this? Yeah, I think pretty much the same. I think particularly in the short term, it would be good to have continuity. So I'm wondering if Wes, Wes Clark might might be the best person for that. Um, I'd certainly like um, Whitney Hanson to, to stay in there um, because I think uh, ideally it would be good if she ended up being the head coach or, or the director of rugby or whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, I, I just think some continuity. Obviously, they were extremely successful. They would have learned off Wayne Smith. Maybe, maybe even keep Smith's number on a bit of speed dial going on. You know, mm. to ask him for a bit of assistance and mentoring and all that kind of stuff, and just build on what they've um, what they've grown this year. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a consultancy role maybe uh, for for Wayne yeah. Smith on that. It was actually interesting, I thought, Nicky, that the you know some of the big names who have become household names off the back of this World Cup, the Porsche Woodmans, the Ruby Tuies, the Stacey Fluters and that, um, haven't been drafted into Super Rugby. They've been let go back to sevens. I, I wonder if that was the right move from New Zealand Rugby, particularly if you're really wanting people to engage with Super Rugby, uh, Super Rugby Olpeki next season. Well, was that New Zealand Rugby's decision or was that their, the players' decision? That is a very good question, actually. That is a very good question. I assume that that conversation would have been between the players and New Zealand Rugby and this is the way it's gone. But, I mean, if you contracted to New Zealand Rugby, I would imagine they would have a fair bit of sway in exactly uh, where it is you play your rugby. Yeah, Graham, you might have a bit more knowledge on this. I, I'm, I'm not very sure. I mean, their preference might be to play sevens and maybe they said, look, we want to go back to the sevens circuit. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Graham? I'm, I'm not really Yeah, no, no, I would say that's pretty correct, actually. And I think ultimately it would have been the player's choice. Um, you know, if they did want to go back to sevens, they'd be a bit miffed if they were um, forced to play super rugby. Um, and also remembering that the next Olympic sevens is before the next Rugby World Cup. Mm. So maybe everyone that plays and New Zealand rugby thinks that the sevens should have... Um, a little bit of a focus over the next couple of years. Yeah, might be a money-driven thing, eh? funding uh, for, for Olympic success, potentially. Uh, good stuff, Nikki. Thanks very much for joining us on the panel today. Oh, my pleasure. It's always great to talk to you guys. Thank yeah. you. No worries. Go well. And, Graham, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about the supercars. Um, everything we were told last year is, don't worry, Pookie won't be going, but supercars isn't going anywhere. Um, calendars released yesterday. Oh, look, there's no New Zealand supercars meet in 2023. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it almost seems a bit FIFA-like, isn't it? Mm. You know, we were promised something and we didn't get it. Um, I mean, Hampton Downs is ready, isn't it? That's, that was my understanding. Yeah, I talked I talk to uh, uh, Greg Murphy about this around sort of Pukekohe when that was happening. When was that? Back in September. And he said that pretty much, that that was, that was ready to go. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe they need a few sort of lower-profile events at Hampton Downs so we can get a bit more sort of street cred, if you excuse the pun. Um, on that, and then they can go there. But I, I mean, I think we're we're past the days of supercars being raced around cities. Mm. I think you know it, it, it does need to be a dedicated track, um, and somehow they just need to get Hampton Downs in front of people's eyes. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I think yeah, everything's there, ready to go. So no doubt there more will come out of this. So it makes it does make it feel like maybe there's more to this. Maybe it's a bit of a political football, uh, as I say. We'll have to see. Can I just ask you a quick question before I go, Ricardo? Sure. How pleased were you with that Costa Rican result? Oh, very, very pleased. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I don't know if you heard the the promotion that we had running on the station for for a number of a uh, number of weeks, advertising that we had yeah. coverage, and it said uh, the thirty one best teams in the world and Costa Rica. Uh, yeah, I wrote that. So you can imagine how I was yeah. feeling when I saw that this morning. Yeah, that was quite a hammering, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I've got I mean, Chody on after eleven. I'm going to ask him if he thinks the All Whites would have done better. What do you reckon? I think that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I'm surprised that Costa Rica did so badly. Actually, I would have thought that a side like that should be able to defend. I mean, I know that they're getting a bit long in the tooth, a bit past their best. But you know, if, if you look at how they performed in the last couple of World Cups, they just haven't shipped many goals, and, and here to concede seven. Um, I don't know. I'd, have, I'd be really interested to know how the All Whites would have gone last night. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a good one. It'd be one that we can uh, we can talk about for a while to come. I think, mate, uh, Graham. Thanks very much for coming on the panel today. Not a problem. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So we doubled it: chicken and Macca's together, and loving it. Ba da ba ba ba. Available after ten thirty a.m. for a limited time only.